Hello and welcome to another episode of Let's Get Rich with Pattu. No pleasantries today. Diving straight into the meat of the matter, Pattu. What have you got against individual stock investing? <laughs> <laughs> I like to put you on the spot. Yeah, uh, I don't have anything against individual stock investing. I just have uh, a beef against many people who want to invest in stocks and they want to invest in stocks for the, I would say, for the wrong reasons. Um, oh, interesting. So, if you had the right reasons and we'll identify what those are, you're okay with that. I am. Yes. Is wanting to accelerate net worth quicker than mutual funds a good reason? A terrible reason. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, what could be a good reason, Patu, to invest in stocks? This is that Offspin original you've all been waiting for. It's time. For let's get rich with Patu. I think uh, a, a stock investor should should be passionate about holding businesses, a good rock solid business that will grow in time and uh, they should have the temperament to you know understand the businesses people today are in a hurry to invest they uh, look at people on social media there are many people on social media who flaunt their portfolio and say oh i made uh, 30x 40x on this stock that stock and uh, this is my Not only that but too, i'm noticing on social media people are even flaunting their futures and options and encouraging more and more people to and and god bless zeroda because i just logged in for the last one week and every time you log in for the first time it puts up a big message 9 out of 10 individual traders in equity futures and option segment incurred net losses on an average loss makers registered net trading loss close to 50000 rupees over and above the net trading losses incurred loss makers expended an additional 28% of net trading losses as transaction costs those making net trading profits incurred between 15% to 50% of such profits as transaction cost anyway this episode is not about futures and options but it's getting a little scary on social media right patu um but but please continue about people yeah, sharing so, their portfolios uh, yeah so that's first of all that's god bless sebi uh, because uh, exactly. that's not that's not zero that uh, that's Fair a enough. step but unfortunately it's like uh it's like that warning on a cigarette pack right it's a, that you have a huge cancer warning on a cigarette pack they still smoke every day uh, so uh, i don't think it's it going to become a blind spot after some time yeah i mean it's going to probably make an impact to those who bother to stop and read and understand what it really means but uh, to a large extent it may not but it's a step in the right direction nonetheless so so there's a lot of noise around uh, stocks and of course we are not going to talk about trading we're not going to talk about derivatives here we're talking we're only talking about investing and that means long term investing uh, which uh, by definition means that the churn in the portfolio is less you're not going to uh, keep changing your stocks in the portfolio every couple of weeks or every month even maybe even a year or so so it's a very long term kind of approach that you're looking at even here um the problem i have with many investors is that they have this um they see stock investing as a get rich quick scheme they they want to 
uh, they want to become wealthy quickly and that almost always never ends well and they see stock investing as a kind of replacement for the low capital that they have so they don't have much of money to invest most of us don't have money to invest i mean we have i've been guilty of that you've put it so well into words for two it is to make up for the lack of capital beautifully put please continue and again that doesn't end well it it does it never pans out that way and we have talked about this before you need money to make money you cannot make money with returns of course returns are important but if you chase after returns then you are also chasing after risk because risk is the shadow and most of the time you're going to end up with the shadow and uh, not the reward so that's the big problem so it's a it's a i would say it's a temperament or an attitude kind of uh, issue that i have where you are investing in something for the wrong reasons that said wonderfully put uh, i have people i know people who are genuinely interested in researching about businesses they want to learn how businesses operate what are the kind of challenges how uh, how do they uh, face up to competition and i know how, how do they keep the business running over decades and they want to a slice of that uh, you know that profit and loss whatever it is it, i mean it's uh, it's a double edged sword and that's absolutely fine but the point is we can afford to experiment with our passions with our hobbies why experiment with our wealth let our wealth grow systematically via as we mentioned in the previous episodes a simple index fund will is enough if on top of that if you still are passionate about stock investing about researching about companies and uh, investing then make it a small satellite portfolio make it a small uh, you know segment of your portfolio maybe 10% maybe 15 20% up to 20% i would say it's okay and that's okay you can do whatever you want there whereas the systematic investing continues and right. that's the simplest way to go about it but to when do we cross that fine line of stock investing becoming gambling see if you have the right vision about why you really want to invest then it is not at all gambling i would say I, I, even in the case of trading there are many people who trade with the right mindset we don't have uh, i don't have anything against traders it's wrong to say traders are uh, all bad and so on they uh, they play a big role in holding the market up in providing liquidity and so on but it's just the mindset with which you enter people want the reward without the effort and without going through the uh you know the the risk the so it's like what dolly parton said if you want a rainbow you have to put up with the rain hmm. and that uh, that's the problem so there are many people who are ready to put up with the rain who are ready to go through that grind whether it is trading whether it's futures and options or investing i have uh, nothing but respect for them because and they won't be asking questions like should i be investing in stocks i mean if you are asking somebody else it means that you have not asked yourself that question you know hard enough you are not you don't have that clarity if you have that clarity that's absolutely fine that lack of clarity is what uh, makes me worried and patu i absolutely love the idea of uh, exploring businesses and i love this world of you know understanding how a business works but i think 
most of my stock investing and I'll if I'll be brutally honest I might represent a pretty large market has been to try and buy large cap stocks stocks that have proved over years to you know have great returns without not knowing enough about those companies um which has kind of held me in good stead right because you know it's probably part of the nifty 50 yeah, these stocks are, have done historically well i have a lot of comfort from my family members to say yes that is fine if you invest in those stocks it's fine and i've put a little bit of money over the years kept investing investing and thankfully it has slowly risen nothing great nothing much to talk about i guess the fun is in identifying perhaps a mid cap company or a new company uh without size and then how does one study a stock if this episode somehow can throw some light on that entire world of how does one research a stock how does one know about this company how does one re- read a balance sheet or an annual report and i know for a fact you said before this call you don't do that as a policy why is that the case and then how does one start investing in the right way in stocks i think you're absolutely bang on in saying that i like to invest in large cap stocks and i've been investing in and i think that is the way to go even in that small satellite portfolio uh, uh, you that you want to invest stocks in uh, it's okay to have a predominant large capish kind of portfolio because they are this established companies and they're not going to you know go to ruin overnight very uh, unlikely so that's that's fantastic in fact i have uh, i maintain a, a lazy stock portfolio myself and i started investing in this portfolio only after i reached financial uh independence and it's predominantly large cap and i for me the most important thing is a company should not have debt it should have very low debt to equity if at all it has some debt it should have very low debt to equity and if its price uh it's it's not too volatile in fact there's a theory right. i forget the name of the person who said it buy stocks that trade always trade close to its all time high more often than not if it trades close to its all time high then you can imagine the growth it will typically be moving upward and if you find such stocks and whether they are mid cap small cap is i don't think it's uh, it's unlikely to find such stocks but at least in the mid cap segment maybe it's possible to do it low debt uh, you know trading close to um all time high that's your shortlist you can then look for deeper there are any red flags today we have cleaners uh, and we have ai ai is going to yep. change the way people are going to process balance sheets nobody needs to read a balance sheet anymore you can just what is the hack with ai patu uh, i'm going to start doing this immediately after this recording <laughs> you can upload a balance sheet or there are there is a tool i, f- I forget probably we should uh, we can include it in the description um it just sure. came to me i'm sorry so uh that has all the balance sheet data it's it's a um fucking chat i forget his name i, I don't want to give you wrong names out so it's 20 dollars a month and all the balance sheet data is available you just need to ask when was the last time uh microsoft was uh, showed a lack of profit in a in a year or when was the last time this company had the you know too much debt or high profit or high uh, whatever eppda or whatever that so everything comes out 
you don't need to uh, you know study sheets anymore in the olden days there are stories about fund managers getting annual reports from you know old newspaper stalls that is and, and now we have come to this we now have a large language model which is going to do that to you so uh, it's so easy now but at the same time what i would like to point out is that too much of that is also not going to be very profitable of course it's going to make you knowledgeable and uh, if you're going to spend hours in front of a, a ai chat or, or actually reading the balance sheets then you must make something useful about it and write about it and try to you know monetize that because too much analysis of balance sheets has not uh, shown to be uh, any more profitable than monkeys throwing darts on a newspaper so right. it's a they, they, you like you said it's it's a very fine line problem is if you go down this rabbit hole of reading balance sheets understanding balance sheet terms and very few people come out on the right side they mm. just keep going they just keep going they so they keep reading and it's a problem i mean uh, you don't know when it's like sculpting right you, you you should know when to stop sculpting otherwise the statue will become a stone again so that kind of thing happens in personal finance particularly in direct equity investing right i'd like to correct myself because uh, when i asked you the question i said the real fun is when you identify companies for yourself but fun is a worst word i could have used i, I meant uh, it's a rewarding feeling when you've done your homework and you've researched and you've identified companies and then you back it back your theories with a little bit of money and then it grows over time for me that is the most rewarding feeling right not asking somebody for a uh, stock tip not asking reading the newspapers and saying this stock is doing well etc etc but what you said brought back a lot of memories but i remember back in the day when for each uh, results every quarterly results you had to announce it in the newspapers and i remember my father pouring over this data and and bless him for putting in all that work but that also brought back memories of a very uh, popular video you posted years ago and it spoke about how you know you said don't spend too much time on investing and and money and get a life right and i have a feeling that's the problem biggest problem with stock investing right it requires so much of your time it requires so much of your active concentration and daily consistent uh, analysis and reading of the market and at what point does that lose any kind of reward you know um, for me that's another particular issue and another important part in that video uh, you said was all gains are notional but all losses are real so can you explain that particular topic and how does one get out of that because i often find myself having an issue selling stocks i just seem to buy them just accumulate 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 i don't know if that's the right way to do it i hear kind of in the long term it might be the right thing to do but i have an issue selling stocks uh, because i kind of get attached to them so i know i've asked a lot of questions but first the notional versus real profit versus loss and then and then the second question okay uh, i just had a quick look the website i mentioned is finchat.io so finchat.io fair enough yeah so this is not sponsored guys <laughs> it's uh, um, so that's the first thing so the second thing is um if you talk to experienced stock investors and i have had the privilege of talking to several of these people and these are crorepatis who will you know walk around the streets with 
ugly dhotis you would not even Absolutely. know that no they are extremely humble and they would tell you that the first thing you should realize that everything is in hindsight uh, i've had multi baggers in my portfolio but yes i was confident about them along the way but uh, I, i mean i i can say that today it's 30x 40x 25x only in hindsight mm. so but i had to be- yeah i have to bear the risk and the uh, the risk is in the journey the reward is always in hindsight that's what i mean by saying um all gains or losses are notional everything is notional until you pull out the money from the broker uh account it's all notional so um there's i think a significant amount of humility is necessary for investors to stay grounded to understand it's like what um, i saw in a korean movie about mountain climbing there's a saying um you can climb a mountain only if the mountain lets you so uh, mm. we are, it's the stock market is that kind of a mountain it's a, a multifanged beast and you don't know when it's uh, going to embrace you give you a ride or you know uh, hit you uh, hurt you with the fangs so th- that some humility is necessary i would say and um one one other other question you asked if i i keep uh, the issue with you know these it's all notional you're looking at your stuff on screen your entire well a part of your net worth is literally a number on a screen it's completely notional it's almost bizarrely sometimes i think about it am i living in the real world right so are you suggesting or what is your answer should we regularly pull out profits or should we regularly make sure it's hard cash in the bank how does one deal with this discomfort of being purely notional my entire net worth is notional um see it's a very tough question to ask and i think uh, there's not much of literature on this also uh, in fact i also have wanted to write on this i have not written on this so i would say as an investment we first look at our goals nobody is going to give us an award for spotting a multi bagger nobody is going to you know give us a special dinner for being a good value investor nobody cares or i i think we should also yeah. not care about that because ultimately what matters is money for our future needs that is the bottom line whether you choose stocks uh, derivatives whatever whatever ultimately it's money for our needs so that is the first criteria the next is what is the asset allocation that i need to use and i we have talked about asset allocation repeatedly so the typically it's equity fixed income mix so in that the equity we are talk, we are saying very few investors can tolerate a 100% direct equity portfolio a 100% stock portfolio is extremely risky because the concentration risk because you can't mm-hmm. uh invest in 30 stocks or 50 stocks it's not possible i mean i know investors who say they uh, they hold 75 stocks but it's just there it's this clutter which you are it's uh, some of them are just uh, past mistakes that are just gaining cobwebs I, i know that's not that's not a good portfolio a good a good stock portfolio has to be conviction based it has, so by definition it has to be it it must have concentration risk in the sense that you can have 10 15 stocks at max beyond that it's you know you don't really have you know you're spreading yourself too thin but the point mm. is that stock portfolio is always going to be riskier than 
any mutual fund portfolio, whether it's actively managed or passively managed. And we should appreciate that concentration risk. If you don't, because uh, then it can be trouble. So uh, what that means is concentration risk means if it, if it delivers, it's going to deliver huge. And if it fails, it's going to fail by a huge amount. So without appreciating concentration risk, I don't think anybody should get into stock investing at all. What do you do when you suddenly see your portfolio and it's like 25% returns overall and each of some exactly. of those scripts yeah. have got 45% uh, gains, 50% gains and so on. I think you should look at two things. One is you should look at when you need the money. Two, you should look at your asset allocation. If because of this huge gains, most likely your asset allocation would get skewed. Let's say you started out with 50% equity and 50% fixed income. Typically, your asset allocation may have gone because of these bumper returns. Let's say it would have gone 50, 55% or maybe even 60% pull out money. That happens all the time, Patu. I mean, that's something. Pull out money from equity and rebalance it into debt. We shall talk about rebalancing in a special episode altogether. That's because it's a very important topic. But this has to be done time uh, from time to time. The problem is people see uh, a stock giving 45% and they don't want to, you know, uh, sell. They just don't want to sell. That struggle is real. That is, just, the, that is where the maturity My mind doesn't important. allow me to sell. Yeah. That is and, where the And I have a very close friend who's a, who's a broker as well and God bless him as well. And he his main education to me over the years has been, why do you get emotionally attached to a stock? It's just money. It is just another stock, right? When you've got your returns, you know, how did, and I don't know, maybe it's just natural human behavior to say, look, this stock has done so well for me. Do I really need to pull it out? I don't even need the money right now. Should I keep it in? But the whole point is about rebalancing and, and you know, managing your risk. And as Patu said, that's a separate episode. Um, Patu, I have a very strange question. Uh, you know, we've always mentioned on this show, just if you have to do equity, which is 50% of your portfolio, which is what you had suggested, do it in mutual funds. Say, stick to the Nifty 50, right? Nifty 50 fund. If I had put the same amount of money in the Nifty 50 fund, say across five years, and instead invested that money directly in those stocks of the Nifty 50, would my returns have been the same? Unlikely because the churn, because of uh, because the Nifty keeps changing uh, because of you know market movements. And of course, I'm not talking about uh, stocks moving in and out. Even if you assume that the stocks are going to be the same, the proportions are going to vary. And tracking the Nifty uh, by separately investing in direct equity very rarely works. Sometimes it will work, sometimes it will not. And uh, I would, because when you invest in a, mutual fund you're not paying tax on the churn right, right. Uh, um, but you have to pay tax when you are uh, either investing in direct equity on your own or if you're investing in curated stock baskets curated stock baskets are or you know uh, they are popular today because they have these back tests which show huge returns and so on but those back tests don't take into account taxes often and uh, these tests are all, all are almost always done over a short period of time Right, and you don't know how what the future holds. the The churn could be higher in future, so it's very difficult to do it. I would say, if uh, if you don't have conviction about 
investing in stocks or if you don't particularly care about businesses or anything like that you say i just want returns that's absolutely fine stick to mutual funds particularly index funds but if you are passionate about businesses keep it as a satellite portfolio maybe 10% or up to 20% some people even remove it outside uh, from their goals right they say i don't want this to be part of my goals i just this is my uh, you know uh, playground or my sandbox i want to learn so that's absolutely that's even better then you don't even if you're going to remove it out then that need not be part of your main asset allocation so you are you have a lot more freedom but you should be careful uh, to sometimes you have to switch uh, uh, you know gains out maybe to cash and push back in but that's a, i mean that's something that you have to learn uh, there's nothing like the what they say the university of hard knocks you have to go through that uh, with respect to the street because there's no easy route now this issue of returns part two is is another tough one right a human being is never satisfied right and and once you beat uh, inflation um, you know then you have market returns when you're in mutual funds you have say for example index returns and then that stops being enough right and then you start uh, wanting wanting to beat the market i mean that's the bottom line of this question how does one deal with that greed i just need to grow my net worth faster you know 14 12 14% a year is not enough and I, yeah you know that struggle right it's real this is what the real struggle is on a daily basis for most listeners so no no the problem with that is uh, that greed um, can become all encompassing uh, we talked about a small portfolio 10% 20% but if you, somebody is greedy then what they do is they start looking for information the biggest a problem that i have with stock investors are they they get into all sorts of whatsapp groups they get into every mm. twitter spaces that there is they want to get information info, i want to know if i don't know i'm going to be left out and so soon you're going to be for something that is only 10% 20% of your portfolio you're putting 80% effort it i mean it just makes no sense and you claim that it's all passion you're not going to learn anything from noise if you you of course there's a lot to learn but uh, you can't learn from noise and uh, social media 99% is noise right so that is the problem with that greed usually uh, there's nothing not much we can do about it life will take care of it i mean a couple of market cycles and then you know what's important and what's not see like i said nobody is going to give us a uh, award for picking the biggest multi bagger or or having the you know 45% uh, returns in the people also this is the problem 45% returns doesn't mean anything how much of it is in your uh, what weight does it have in your portfolio that's what matters so i mean you can't do anything about that we can only talk to you know uh, convince people who have low expectations who say i want maybe 1% real return 2% real return that's absolutely fine i mean if inflation is 8% getting if you expect 10% from a direct equity portfolio not over 5 years tenure i'm talking about a 30 year period have a long term vision 10% return over the next 30 years from 2023 is a huge reward 10% after tax that's going to be huge and if you keep it that low 
I mean, if you expect less, you're going to be disappointed even less. So that's how it. It's amazing how philosophy and investing always overlap each other. But uh, it's strange how this topic, the more you keep asking, in contrast to the previous episodes, uh, the lesser the answers become. It's almost like we're repeating the same thing over and over again about stock versus mutual funds. And this is an episode that the mutual fund companies and fund managers are going to love. Uh, but yes, the truth is the truth. And on that note, I must thank uh, listeners who've written in after our medical insurance episodes. I know we left so many questions unanswered. But to will try and respond to your emails as well. I know some of you all have emailed. Uh, and of course, we might reassess that topic in some time because it's so vast. But yeah, on the simple fact of stocks versus mutual funds um, and risk and, you know, the close friend who is a, a stockbroker, I, I told him about this recording and he said it's very simple, right? When, if you learn how to be an F1 driver, you can drive that car. Um, However, you leave it to the experts, right? Uh, people who spend so much of their time um, researching and studying and, and, and doing it full-time almost uh, that you hire a professional driver, right? That's what stock investing is all about. Um, and the professional driver, of course, is the mutual fund manager if you can't do it yourself. But on that note, any last words about this topic, Patu? And, um... Yeah, so uh, one thing I quickly like to mention is that um, I I strongly recommend all direct equity investors to benchmark their portfolio with the market. That is, if you had made 10 trades by sell uh, over the last year, so let's say you started a year earlier and you just made 10 trades, uh, make those transactions with a Nifty or a Sensex index fund. So identical transactions by sell, excluding dividends. And find out what the return is. How, how your portfolio would have grown had you invested in an index fund uh, instead of the direct equity. That will tell you what's happening. I mean, if you are one of those return chasers who don't like to, you know, uh, research too much but want to uh, uh, invest on scraps of information that you find here and there, particularly this benchmarking would be of use. After a few years, you can find out how difficult it is to beat the index. And sure. But uh, on the other hand, there are people who are passionate, truly passionate about investing in stocks. For them, it's it's okay to benchmark, but they would still not bother too much because that's their passion. That's what they want to do. And, and, and that's absolutely fine. As long as it's not a disaster. I mean, uh, if the, the Nifty can be 17% and your portfolio can be 12%, that's absolutely fine as long as you know you say, look, I like, I enjoyed what I'm doing. And I'm not, it's not affecting me emotionally i'm not spending too much time on this portfolio it's just a hobby that i like to occasionally you know work on it then it's okay so sure that's so don't experiment with your wealth you can experiment with other things in life is what patu's message is uh, perhaps later in you know in the months ahead if patu will indulge us we might deep dive into how you research a stock how you read a balance sheet, etc., etc. But for now, the top two tips by Patu, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Patu is one: look for low debt companies or zero debt companies, and companies who typically continue to trade near their their high the highest levels over a period of time. I think those two basic benchmarks will help you identify solid companies. 
and on that note uh, thank you please keep writing in uh, as we keep saying the show is nothing without you uh, you know how to reach pattu you know how to reach us at offspin media friends and keep listening to let's get rich with pattu thank you so much pattu bye bye you just heard let's get rich with pattu an offspin original isn't it the coolest show you've heard in the indian podcasting space and even if it isn't what's the point of getting rich alone right share this show with those you care about and perhaps even with those you don't care about but make sure you share this show with only those who you don't mind being richer than you the music on this show was created by pattu's biggest fan rajesh ravi and everyone on the offspin team had some part or the other to play on the show let me name them quickly harshli nisrani krishank das sandeep banerji arif chagla anand krishnan rajesh ravi and heer khan Here, by the way, is also to be blamed for giving Patu his gangster look, which is how he looks on a daily basis. Um, and me, Sadhan, your host. Let's get rich is available on all audio platforms wherever you consume your podcasts. So spread the word, and we'll see you next week. You know we do this show only to help you guys, right? But if you're listening and you're that one person. who has perhaps lost money and are holding it against Patu or me for making you lose that money then not only are you a mean person but you also need to listen to this legal disclaimer this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only and does not constitute any financial advice views expressed are not official positions of financial institutions or Patu or mine for that matter although we strongly believe in them listen to this disclaimer even more carefully We recommend consulting a qualified professional before making decisions. We disclaim liability for inaccuracies or losses from using this information in our show. By listening you agree that the host, guests and producers are not only awesome people but they are not responsible for your financial decisions or outcomes. 